if you make an outstanding product that wows people from the moment they get the package and they open it to the moment they use it the first time and they're so thrilled, you have a much higher threshold, a much higher likelihood that someone's going to want to shout that from the rooftops, whether that's on Amazon review or on social media. Welcome to the day two podcast, where we give you the unfiltered truth to launch, grow and protect your brand on Amazon and beyond. of all prospective clients, plus or minus 10%, ask the following questions when they come to us at Avenue 7. And the first thing they ask is, how do you grow my business? And I also want you to get me more reviews. And so, of course, I wince whenever that question comes, especially when they, the brand, are probably looking at some of their nastiest competitors on Amazon, just launched a new product with 900 reviews after 30 days with only 100 orders. Do the math. It doesn't work. So what do you do? The FTC most recently is considering new rules regarding fake online reviews. The new leadership, the new administration is dead serious about fake reviews, among other things. So on today's episode, we are going to talk about this and unpack this a little more. I'm Jason Boyce, host of the Day 2 Podcast, and I'm joined by Shannon Roddy. Shannon, what is cooking? Uh, not a lot. We both got haircuts. We're both healthy. <laughs> Finally got a haircut. I was a little shaggy in the last episode for those of you who watch on YouTube. Yeah, but you know, it, excited to be back. I've been out for the last couple of weeks and really excited to do a deep dive on product reviews. I mean, the heart and soul of Amazon, the heartbeat is almost product reviews. I mean, I really feel like it is. And product reviews carry such a strong social proof. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions, Jason. I really do. I think that sellers interpret reviews incorrectly. I think that sellers get lured into business practices to get more reviews, thinking that they align with Amazon Terms of Service when they don't. And I think that there's certainly a lack of awareness that the FTC is even involved. I mean, a lot of people just think it's an Amazon Terms of Service thing. They have no idea that they could be potentially breaking federal laws. So, you know, to start off, I just want to ask you, you've been in this space for 20 plus years. Why are product reviews so important? What's the basis? Like lay the foundation for why product reviews are so significant on Amazon and what role do they play for customers and sellers? You know, it really is a multifaceted role, reviews on Amazon. And, you know, we've talked about this often in episodes. I love reading product reviews. Back when I was developing my own brand and my own products, I would read every negative review It's that social proof that you're talking about. It's real feedback in some ways. It's the new focus group from people who actually use their own credit card to buy something that they wanted to solve a problem or meet a need in their life. And so they're incredibly valuable. They're also incredibly valuable for folks who are looking to buy a product, but I think they get degraded when you lose trust. The Amazon algorithm famously calculates product ratings and reviews, whether that's still true or not. Well, yeah, we know it's still true. Also, you know, it's very helpful for someone who's looking to buy a new product to see what other people think about this product, to see if their concerns are your concerns. But what's happened is because the algorithm depends partially, you know, first and foremost is clicks and sales, but I think reviews does play a sizable part in all of the elements uh, related to Amazon ranking, organic search, placement, among all the different pages on the amazon.com platform. But because of that, people are like, look, I'm going to game the system. If I can just buy some reviews or I could just get five-star reviews or I could just get enough reviews to negate the three one-star reviews I had, I'm going to do great on Amazon. You know, I think people sometimes lose focus on the fundamentals 
right? When I played basketball in high school, my coach was fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. They lose sight of the fundamentals and they think they can do tricks, do the easy path and the quick path, and then they get themselves into trouble. And then, you know, organizations like the FTC see this problem mushroom cloud and balloon and they have to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, there's two things that I want to break down. One is the difference between product reviews and product ratings. So this is something that Amazon released in the last couple of years. It used to be that Amazon only did reviews. And initially, they launched as a platform where anybody could leave a product review. They didn't want to limit the reviews to only Amazon customers. They wanted to open it up because they knew if they could gain more social proof from more customers, even if they had not purchased that product on Amazon, it would ultimately help Amazon. There's some downsides to that. Now, all of a sudden, you have what are called verified versus unverified purchase reviews, right? Did the customer actually buy the product on Amazon or did they just, you know, there's an Amazon customer who happened to buy that product elsewhere and leave a review on Amazon. And that opens up some, some issues with accountability and trust, right? If they didn't buy the product on Amazon, do we know they actually bought it somewhere else? And how much is that factored in? We know it factors into the weight of that product re review. I hate that they do that, by the way. Amazon... If you're listening, don't allow non-verifiable purchased reviews. Don't do it. Stop. It's a waste. It's not necessary. It's dumb. And it's just opening up for more fraud. Sorry to interrupt, Shannon. Go ahead. No, I, I think you're right. I think at this point, you know, go back 20 years. I think it made sense. You know, it allowed people for a new platform at that time and for new products to leave those reviews on Amazon. Now, because of the way the system is set up, I don't think it makes sense anymore. I, I agree 100%. But as Amazon wanted more reviews and more ratings, they knew that um, that's how the system was played. What's the difference between a review and a rating according to Amazon? Yeah. So Amazon had traditionally allowed reviews, which is you had to put in a title, you select your star rating, and then you'd have to put in some kind of commentary, right? The review. Um, Amazon released a thing called ratings, which meant you only had to put in the star rating and you could leave everything else blank. We know that inherently people are lazy, want to do the least amount of work. And so the number of ratings has significantly gone up. Well, the number of reviews has probably dropped a little bit because people don't have to actually write anything. So it's created sort of an artificial sense of inflated reviews. But the, the rating system, I think, is valuable and helpful. It allows customers who don't have a lot of time and energy, hey, I like that product, four stars, you know, walk away, I don't have to write anything. But but that has significantly increased the number of product reviews and ratings over the last couple of years since they launched it. But I think, you know, from a fundamental standpoint, it goes back, like you said, to the basics, which is number one, you have to have a good product. And number two, you have to accurately describe to customers what your product is, what it does and how it works. Those basic fundamentals is, in fact, still today the best way to get positive product reviews. You're absolutely right. If you're going to launch a new product on Amazon and you have your registered trademark, which we highly encourage, yeah. and you get brand registry, which we highly encourage, and you're making a unique defensible product and launching it, um, Amazon has a program called Vine. We can talk about how I'm disappointed that Amazon now charges you to do Vine for you to give away your product to its Amazon customers. We can have a separate conversation about that, but it's a good way to get that first 30 reviews. So you want to open the, the Vine can of worms early. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, I'm going right, I'm going right there. I mean, it's a big can of worms. You're right, Shannon. Because uh, A, you have to pay for it. B, you're giving away product to Amazon. You would think that you're violating FTC rules, but the reason why Amazon gets away with it 
is because they differentiate the way that review is shown. I think yeah. they call it line voices. It says this unbiased review is an exchange for a free product. And I like it so long as Amazon keeps ratings and rank as part of its ranking algorithm, because it's really hard to go from no reviews to compete with somebody who's been selling the same product for five years who has 10,000 reviews. It's really hard. So I like the Vine program if I put my seller hat on. But I have some pushback against that. And I, you know, there's some challenges with Fire the Vine away. program. Amazon yeah. had the early reviewer program, which you could enroll in for 30 bucks. And for the first 10 reviews, Amazon would offer, a th- I think, a $3 a gift coupon. card. Or, yeah, well, a you credit. Would fund, the seller would fund that coupon, but yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a credit to that, to that customer. Um, to leave a review. I think the FTC actually found some issues with that. They wound up pulling that program. The biggest challenge with Vine, and this is why it's allowed, Vine voices are not required to leave a review. You could give away $30, pay your $75 fee or whatever it is currently, and not get any reviews or get two reviews from pessimistic Vine reviewers who are not even the ideal candidate for their product. And you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but but that has been a historical issue. I mean, we were talking on our Amazon consultants call last week where you literally had like a feminine like hygiene product that was reviewed by a guy who gave it a scathing review, who was a fine voice. You're like, this literally does not have any logical sense, right? <laughs> it literally should not be allowed. That review should be taken down. So I think sellers are disappointed that you don't have sort of an option to sort of get those initial reviews. And especially if Amazon's Vine Voices audience isn't big enough or targeted enough, you know, where you can't go in and say, hey, this product is for women between these ages who are active and, you know, that kind of thing. The reviews tend to be inaccurate, not because they're wrong, but because it's not the intended audience. And of course, if it's, you know, if I'm selling you a product and you're not a dad, what good is your Vine Voice review if I'm selling a kid product? You know, there's just no point. I can't argue with any of that, Shannon. I think you're spot on. You know, would it be that hard for Amazon to screen who's going to get a free product? If you're a man and you've never had a period, should you be allowed to review a product that you can't use? No, yeah. that's dumb, right? I mean, and, and that's just a lazy development of mine. I will agree with you on a second thing, which is it sure pisses me off when we make a recommendation to a client to pay, it's, I think it's 200 to $250 per ASIN yeah. now yeah. For, to get, in order for the right to give away 30 of your products to someone who may never on their own will and accord buy a product like yours, and then to only get two reviews out of that. You can't guarantee that they're going to be positive. That defeats the purpose of an honest review, but it sort of creates this inherent challenge, right? It's sort of this encyclical inherent challenge. It does. And I wouldn't be opposed to eliminating Vine altogether and just making it clean if and only if Amazon would do the right thing and clean house. Now, they're getting a ton of pressure from the FTC to do this. I think the FTC has a bat phone to Amazon every time one of these issues happen. I don't think Amazon's doing this on their own accord out of the goodness of their own heart. I think they're being pressured by federal agencies to take action with reviews, among many other things. You know, it's simple math. I mean, Shannon, you shared with me great information from Ecom Engine about how many products out of 100 units sold or 100 orders sold actually get a rating or a review. Can you share that information? And then I want to I want to come on the tail end of that. Absolutely. So our friends over at Ecom Engine who have a, a great tool called Feedback 5 shared this information. They just pulled their own seller information uh, from people who use their tool. So 
what they found auditing their system was average ratings. So again, that's just clicking the star rating for every 100 orders was about 12.5. So about 12 and a half ratings per 100 orders, which is not bad. Just a star, not leaving a title, not leaving words yep. about my experience. I'm just clicking one through five. Yeah, but people who actually took the time to write a review, give it a title, actually write it out, include pictures or video was 0.61. So less than one out of every 100 is actually taking the time to leave a review. So that's the data. And I think sometimes, you know, people go, I got 50 orders. I haven't gotten any reviews. And you're like, well, according to the data, <laughs> that's not, it's not entirely unheard of. But what are some of your thoughts in terms of hearing those stats and how you then interpret them? Well, I mean, I think they sound right. Uh, you know, I always had in the back of my head, and I think I heard this from Seller Labs years ago, that about one in a hundred will get a review. Yeah. If you click and ask for a review, you can go from one to four. This is probably more accurate. I think if Amazon didn't have shoppers to just click the star rating, the average written reviews would probably go up, probably double. But yeah. if you if you think half of a review out of a hundred orders sold. Let's go back to the teaser that we started this episode with, which was, you know, I had a client say, this competitor just launched his product. It's basically a copy of mine. Yeah. They've got 900 reviews. Sometimes they'll have 200 reviews a weekend, yeah. right? You got 900 reviews. I pull up Jungle Scout. I pull up Helium 10. I see that they sold about 100 units in the first 30 days and they've got 900 products. So you've got 900 reviews and you've only sold 100 units how in the hell does that math add up? It doesn't work. It's in my mind, it's mind-blowingly simple for Amazon to simply take that product down. Amazon, it's a simple algebra equation. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need some fancy algorithm. Yeah. It's like, hey, if the number of orders is X and the number of reviews is greater than 4%, yeah. then that's a problem. You know, yeah. No. Take that shit down. We talked about this, you know, last year at Prosper Show. We're in Vegas. Vegas knows when you're cheating. They don't have to see you slide a card out from under your sleeve. You're don't no Vegas, to... Amazon. You're no Vegas. <laughs> you don't have to be wearing funky glasses with a hat that covers them. They know when you're cheating because of the odds. And I've seen that as well. I A client reached out to me, showed me a competitor product. It had launched 30 days ago. Jungle Scout estimated 30 sales in those 30 days. It had 35 star verified purchase reviews. And I thought, how in the world is Amazon not flagging that? And this is the flip side of it, Jason, that's so frustrating is uh, one of the clients that I worked with last year, her cousin reviewed her product on Amazon. Now her cousin actually uses her product, didn't buy it on Amazon. One relative reviewed her product. She got sent a review violation notice in Seller Central for a single relative leaving a product review. And I just thought something doesn't add up here where you have you have companies that are, you know, mass review manipulation at scale and somebody else who has a relative who happened to leave a review because they like the product and it gets flagged as a review violation. Some something's amiss, right? Something's not adding up if that's the system. Jen, that just reeks of injustice. Nobody <laughs> likes no American citizen likes injustice, right? Yeah. That's the textbook definition of it. I will have to say I, I was I was reminded back when I was a seller where we would launch a new product before any of these traps were there and we we'd send the email out. We'd have like 30 or 40 family members go buy this and leave us a review, right? And I remember being sad the day that the reviews weren't allowed. And our family members kept sending these auto emails from Amazon saying you weren't allowed to leave the review because they had somehow tracked 
that, you know, we had sent them a product gift or something from our own personal accounts and our business accounts. Anyway, I mean, they, they, they've done a decent job, but I think it's easy to say that they have the information. Yeah. What they don't have is a willingness to consistently enforce the rules and punish the bad actors to convince them and disincentivize them to continue these, these bad actions. And to give a very specific example, Amazon does not allow what's called diverting. Diverting is, and we're going to get into how you request a review in a minute, because I think that's important to talk about. But diverting means, and it used to be allowed, you could do it until Amazon saw people did it and then stopped it. But diverting meant, hey, did you have a great experience, Jason? Leave a product review. Oh, did you have a problem or a bad experience? Contact customer support and customer service and we'll make it right. And Amazon said, you can't do that because that's diverting. In my mind, it actually makes a lot of sense because if somebody received a defective product, if they received a product that was damaged in the mail, for example, Amazon mislabeled something or they mislabeled something, they got the wrong product, allow the seller to make it right. Now, there's probably legal ramifications in there that I won't get into, I won't you know, proclaim to know, but there's a private label business on Amazon, publicly traded company, and they are explicitly doing this in their product inserts. I'm shocked that Amazon won't take action against it because I think part of it is they don't want to. The company brings them millions of dollars a month in referral fees, FBA fees, advertising fees. So it's, it's sort of this matter of playing loosey-goosey with some sellers and then nailing other sellers for a, a one-off that was accidental. And to your point, I think it, it feels like injustice. But going back to that main point, this is the question. How do sellers ask for product reviews in ways that aren't going to get them flagged? I mean, do you want to just, should we just kind of back up and talk about historically some of the ways that people did it and then some of the ways that are sort of allowed now and sort of best practices now? Well, let me just start by saying I've broken every rule in the book <laughs> as an early seller because A, I was ignorant of the law. I didn't really understand that this was against the law to do this. And we wanted to grow our business. And I was young and hungry and we were growing really fast and we would do everything. We would email. Shannon, I'm old enough to know, I used to get actual email addresses from Amazon customers. We would download them and yeah, send yeah. emails from our own email server. None of that's possible now. All that information is masked or within Amazon's walls. We used to put the inserts, the ridiculous inserts. If you had a great experience, leave us a review. If you had a bad experience, give us a call. Let's see if we can help. I understand how that's review manipulation, and I do agree with your point. If you're asking what you should do today, number one, sell a great product and sell a lot of it. That's the, that's the first thing that you need to do today in order to get more reviews. If you make an outstanding product that wows people from the moment they get the package and they open it to the moment they use it the first time, and they're so thrilled, you have a much higher threshold, a much higher likelihood that someone's going to want to shout that from the rooftops, whether yeah. that's on Amazon review or on social media. Number two, in Seller Central, you click to request a review. Within Amazon Seller Central, and I know Ecom Engine and a lot of the other tools that are out there, Feedback 5, they have that API connection. Uh, with our proprietary software, Shannon, we have that API connection with our clients, so we can do yeah. that. Merchant, I think Merchant Spring is another one that does yep. this. Use Amazon system, which complies with TOS, and don't write anything cute or different or anything. And that's it. And, and going back and hitting the rewind button, you know, going back even a year or two ago, um, when I became a big fan of Ecom Engine and, and using Feedback 5, we could do a lot of things. I mean, you could track the open rate, right? They allowed, you know, sort of these pixel trackers, Amazon cut that out, and I get that. We used to send a customized email, even that was in sort of within TOS compliance, but it allowed us to do branding. It allowed us to speak in the tone and the messaging. You know, yep. one of the things that we used to do was actually link to 
helpful product reviews posted on the detail page of how to unbox and use the product. That's just smart. That's yep. just good customer service. That's what Amazon wants. But what we found was so crazy is Amazon began flagging those emails. And literally, Jason, I gave some of our team, we tested these templates out. I said, I've used this template for three years, never had an issue. We'd try it on a new seller account and Amazon would flag it. Exact same messaging. And, and it was sort of like the you know proven guilty until innocent. But we'd have a situation where Amazon would do what's called 30-day restriction of proactive buyer-seller messaging. So I'd send out an email and I'd say, hey, here's the product and blah, 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 blah. And Amazon goes, you said something bad. We're not going to tell you exactly what it was. It's one of these 15 things, right? So, so I hope you're a good guesser. We're restricting your proactive buyer-seller messaging for 30 days. And if you do it again, you're suspended for life, which is there is no reinstatement. The challenge is, if you try to adjust that messaging in any way, if you get it wrong again, even attempting to be completely TOS compliant, they would still restrict you for life. So that just became more and more of a challenge. And as we saw over the last decade, or, you know, as long as Amazon buyer-seller messaging has been around, the restrictions have sort of gotten greater as the ability and opportunity to engage as a brand owner has decreased. I think the request to review is kind of going to become standard. They're probably yeah. going to restrict any customized messages. I'm guessing after 2023, that's going to be completely yeah. gone. And I hope and believe that what was great about the buyer-seller messaging before, Amazon will then allow you to do things like add your logo, right? We see that with yeah. some of the manager customer engagement, personalize it just a little bit with the messaging that allows you to communicate the brand and tone. So customers don't just believe they're buying from Amazon. I mean, that's the biggest thing that we see, right? Customers only think they buy from Amazon. They don't realize they bought from an individual seller even it was you know, shipped and fulfilled by Amazon. Yeah. And look, there's still some things that you can do with the inserts that are interesting. So you can put a QR code on there, let someone scan it with their phone, and then you can sign up for a warranty. Warranty your product, right? You can get a customer's information legitimately and legally if you issue a warranty or make it easy with an insert. And then once you have their information, of course, they can all, they'll also have your information. And so they're more likely to reach out to you if there's any issues. But at the end of the day, there's no reason for any longer for a custom message. Your custom message now is your packaging. Make your packaging cool and sexy and have some information where folks can reach you for any reason whatsoever as it relates to your product. Allow them, give them a good warranty, let them sign up for the warranty so that you know you have a record of who it was, who bought it, where they bought it from if there's an issue. Quick comment on the warranty piece. There are products where you legitimately have a warranty, like a camera, for example. But I've seen people do a warranty for a toothbrush and they're like, email, <laughs> this, email right. this Gmail address and you'll sign up for a warranty. <laughs> you know that's a BS excuse to try to get somebody's email and retarget. You know, I want a warranty on my toothbrush, <laughs> and I don't care what you say. <laughs> if you've got a product that you know necessitates a warranty, have a warranty program. The point about scanning a QR code, those product inserts, you can do product inserts so long as they comply with Amazon's buyer-seller messaging. You know, they, they don't specifically lay it out. They just say it's the same as buyer-seller messaging. Don't ask for only positive product reviews. Don't incentivize product reviews. Don't say, oh, we're a small family-run business. And if you don't give us a five-star review, we can't <laughs> eat next month and we can't fight, you know, feed our children. I, it's, considered, that one. it's considered review manipulation. Um, <laughs> so there's these like these elements of like, Stay out of that sandbox. But QR codes in the Amazon app can go to um, Amazon product videos. They can go to buyer seller messaging to you know to contact the seller. Like I said, 
Sometimes they can go back to a storefront page where you can actually have videos and instructional information. Right These are great TOS compliant ways to ensure customers have a great experience. And that really is the foundational element of getting positive product reviews. You know, Shannon, I want to go back to something you said where uh, here is an example of Amazon calling you guilty and forcing you to prove your innocence. Because I don't know if, I don't know if you had a chance to see our previous episode, episode 22, where I go step by step through some of Andy Jassy's comments about the new antitrust bill. It's always so rich to me when Andy Jassy says, well, why would we be held accountable? The FTC, which by the way, is not, not accurate, but he said the FTC could prove us guilty and then it would be the burden would be on us to prove our innocence. It just grates on me every time I hear him make a statement like that publicly because he's done that to hundreds of thousands, probably millions of sellers at this point over the last 20 years with the platform. And, you know, one of the things that he says in that interview, too, is he complains about Lena Khan, the head of the FTC, who he claims made her career trying to break up, doing a paper to break up Amazon. I don't think that's very fair, but she did write a very influential paper about making the case that Amazon is a monopoly. And now she's the head of the FTC. Speaking of the FTC, about five or six days ago, the FTC came out and is requesting comments from the public about a potential new rule change as it relates to reviews. So they're looking at things such as using fake reviews, suppressing negative reviews, paying for positive reviews, deceptive and manipulated reviews and endorsements, cheat customers looking for real feedback on a product or service, and undercut honest businesses. And ultimately, that's what you're saying so far through this episode, Shannon. You're saying, hey, be an honest business person. Make a good product. Wow your customer and you will be rewarded. Stop trying to cheat the system by doing dumb stuff. You know, some of the things that they're looking to write a rule about are fake reviews, review reuse. So you've seen this one, right? Where, you know, someone had an old product that's been sunset and it was a mattress and now they, and it had five or five star reviews, and now they're launching that with a chair. And you go on, you read the reviews, and you go, "Boy, this was really easy to sleep on." And you're like, "Wait a minute, it was easy to sleep on a chair? That doesn't make yeah. sense." That's that's an example of. Now it's a blender. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, you know, you can't pay for reviews. You, you can't have insiders like your cousin, your mom, whatever. You can't. They can't do a review. Amazon's got a pretty good system for blocking that now. You can't do review suppression. So. On your own website, on your own e-commerce website, if you're allowing reviews to come in and you're screening out the one stars and only accepting the five stars, they're looking to make that much more painful for folks who are violating that one. Interesting. Fake review websites. I know Amazon has sued a couple of these folks on Facebook. A couple um, thousand, 10,000 10, administrators. One or two. Yeah, you're right. I think, I think you're right. I think it was 10,000. Uh, and then also they want to prevent you from buying followers so that it looks like more people are interested in supporting you know, your brand. There's a commission. The FTC, in order to open up things for public or to vote on things or to approve things, whether that's a merger or otherwise, there's, there's four members of the commission. As early as you know, six or seven months ago, the head of the FTC, Lena Khan, had two Republicans and two Democrats. She now has three Democrats and one Republican. Not surprising, the vote to pass this and open it up for public discussion about a new rule was three yeses and one no. And guess who the no was? It was a Republican. And so uh, the Republican in their defense said that the existing rules are enough, that we don't need to create another rule. We should spend more time on enforcement and less time on creating more rules. So 
I think that's an honest statement and an honest uh, response, but very interesting to see all the things that are happening with the FTC. I have two thoughts that, that came up as you were talking last. The first one is I think sometimes sellers overestimate the need and importance for review. And, and I'll give you an example. People see their competitor that have a thousand reviews and their assumption is I need to have a thousand and one. Not so, not so. And I think again, yes, product reviews plays into customers' purchase decision. It plays in Amazon organic rank. It plays in click-through rate. It, you know, it plays in all of these different areas through the customer purchase uh, funnel. However, in my experience, I've seen that the product rating is far more important than the number of reviews. So for example, I would rather buy a product that has 17 reviews with a four and a half or five-star rating than a product that has a thousand reviews with a three and a half-star rating. Because even if I'm paying more for it, because I feel like I'm going to get a better product. That's why the FTC is trying to do this. That's why they're trying to say, hey, this has to be reliable because otherwise people are getting duped. There's sort of an assumption of an overvaluation of the number of product ratings and reviews that, that companies and sellers need to have. We have a, a client who's currently number one bestseller in their category. They have 20 product reviews and ratings. That now they're number one bestseller in their category, thanks to Avenue 7, Shannon. Just that's, a little, that's, that's little that's shameless funny. plug for Avenue 7. <laughs> Last month, they only had 14. And so again, there's, there's sort of this misassumption that to be a number one bestseller, you have to have hundreds and thousands of reviews. I yeah. understand the game has changed. And I understand that it's more challenging. But this is where we go back to the brand fundamentals, which is have not only a great product, but have a defensible product. Have a product that has a unique value proposition and be able to defend that value proposition, even if somebody else has a lower price price product with more product reviews. Because if customers believe that your product can solve their problem better, they're more likely to consider purchasing your product. And so again, just a little context, because I feel like sometimes sellers kind of get all, all wacky in the head with this and, and get confused about how important it is. Yes, it's important, but it may not be as important as some of these other fundamental things. Because Yes, if you have an indefensible product that's just like everybody else's and the game comes down to nothing but product reviews, yeah, I get it. But we say this all the time, price high and justify. You get a better product, you show it through the listing, and you back it up with the, the customer service and everything else that goes along with that. You can charge more and you can sell a great product with fewer product reviews than all of your competitors. Here, here. I second the motion, Shannon. Well said. There you go. You know, just going back to the FTC momentarily, just so you guys know that the FTC is not messing around, here's some recent actions they've taken. In August of this year, 2022, the FTC charged rental listing platform, Roomster, and its owners with duping customers seeking affordable housing by paying for fake reviews. Now, I think wow. it was a six-figure number. You know, For a small business, a six-figure fine from the FTC is painful. You could probably double that amount for the lawyers that you need to defend yourself. So you're probably looking at a quarter of a million dollars to defend yourself. Don't buy reviews. In January of this year, the FTC required online fashion retailer Fashion Nova to pay $4.2 million for suppressing negative customer reviews wow. from being posted to its website. So remember, and you're kicking out the one-star reviews to hide real shoppers who've paid real money about your product or saying about your product, you could get a $4.2 million fine from the FTC. I think that there's one more Supreme Court decision out there, uh, the AMG Capital Management LLC versus the FTC. So the Supreme Court sided against the FTC and hindered its ability to seek monetary 
relief for customers under an FTC act. And so I think that's where they're coming from with wanting to get this new rule change to make it quick and easy for them to find the crap out of anyone who are breaking these rules and to go beyond what the Supreme Court just prevented them from doing. That, But just keep in mind, folks, that didn't stop them from going after Roomster for six figures. And it sure as heck didn't stop them from going after you know Fashion Nova for $4.2 million. It is no joke. This isn't some silly game that grade school kids can play and get away with. Yeah. There's you know, potentially multi-million dollar fines for not doing the right thing. So Shannon, here's another reason why you shouldn't mess around with reviews. You know, I'm on the board of uni brands. We we work with a lot of aggregators in the space, looking and reviewing businesses, looking to sell to the aggregators so they can go get their sit on the beach money. And you know what comes up more times than not? Their valuation gets discounted. Because the aggregators in evaluating these companies are doing what Amazon should be doing. And they're identifying and saying, hey, you had X number of orders, but you had way outside of the norm, way more than 10% of your orders came in at reviews. So we're going to discount what we're going to pay you because it's clear that you've been manipulating reviews. If you're out there and you think that breaking the rules is a smart thing to do and is going to help your valuation, you're just dead wrong. Right. Aggregators aren't going to pay for fake reviews to stop doing it. It's not going to help you. And it's not a good thing. Great point, Jason. Yeah. And so, you know, here I want to issue a warning to sellers. Number one, you've got to be extremely careful. Remember, you're not just violating Amazon terms of service. You could potentially be violating FTC federal violations. But the other thing is people get approached Every which way from Sunday, you know, and twice on Sunday from companies who say we can get you better product reviews and more product reviews. That should be a red flag alert for you to run away and archive that email as spam. I had somebody reach out to me on LinkedIn and they say, hey, we've got this great new service and here's how it works. It's 100% Amazon TOS compliant. And I ran it by our, our compliance department and they're like, there's no email that this is compliant and here's why. And so they try to find ways around it. There are these automated sequence bots. And if you buy this product, you you go to this website to get your second free product. They're becoming more and more sophisticated. But guys, it's not worth it because number one, your competitors can and will buy your product and report you if you do this. And number two, if you see your competitor go from 100 reviews to 150 reviews overnight, Buy their product and see what happens. What follow-up? <laughs> you, get? you get a postcard, right? We we always get these silly postcards uh, yeah. in the mail. You know, offering a free twenty dollars gift card if we review their product on Amazon. And by the way, Jason, I should not include a photo of this uh, postcard for my own safety and protection, not because they don't want to get flagged as a seller. You may get in trouble if you you rat them out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You'd be very disappointed. So there's that aspect of it. It doesn't matter how sophisticated these systems get they're still wrong, right? They're still completely out of TOS. If it's more than doing the request review button or including a TOS compliant insert, probably going to get you suspended or fined at some point in the future. And, and, and this is actually brings up kind of a closing point that I want to make, Jason, which is if Amazon really wanted to deal with this, because we talked to people at Amazon Accelerate and Amazon said, look, we're concerned about this. We believe it's important. And I'm like, look, like to your point, not that hard. Use the algorithm to identify anybody doing over a stated dollar amount, right? Flag them and, and do the investigation. But number two, if Amazon really cared, they would let customers know 
we are trying to keep out bad actors. If you get a message, if you get a follow-up postcard, if you get an offer from your product that is trying to manipulate your review, here's where you send a link, here's where you send a photo of that insert, make it easy for customers to report it. Because Amazon says, right. we don't have the money, we don't have the bandwidth, let customers do it. But I have a feeling, a sneaking suspicion, Jason, that Amazon doesn't want to do it because they'll sort of let the cat out of the bag by letting all of their customers know, we have a review manipulation problem and we need you to help us do it because it's so big and so vast that we can't do it on our own. Strictly from a PR standpoint, they, they don't want to do that. It's mind boggling to me because they care and they're customer obsessed. They care about the Amazon shopper more than anything that they claim, right? And how can you care about the Amazon shopper if you're willingly allowing the duping of that customer with fake reviews or inaccurate reviews or review gaming? It's counter to their number one premise and their number one leadership principle. And I don't get it. I don't think it's that hard. I, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not, you know, I'm not an Amazon engineer, so I don't know how messed up their systems are, how hard it would be to change it, but I don't think it's that hard. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, and Amazon's taken away some of those seller benefits, like the ability to respond to product reviews. I mean, that was huge when Amazon wiped that out and said, not enough people are using this service, so we're going to just can it. But they weren't even showing it on mobile, and they didn't even let sellers know that they could respond to product reviews. A lot of uh, you know sellers that we talk to and coach, they, they're like, what? I can respond to that product review? And other customers reading it will see that we responded and said, yeah, it looks like you got a defective product. We're willing to replace it. This, in effect, your negative one-star review. But you know, to take away those benefits and the ability to counteract some of that and not allow them to have that say is... is Super challenging. So not a really a great way to launch a product other than build that social proof, build that demand, and then drive traffic to Amazon. And we talk about this, you build out your storefront, you create an Amazon attribution link, share it with your audience. And uh, it's sad, but in this day and age, you have to explicitly tell your friends and family, we love you. Please do not review our product in Amazon. We don't want to get flagged. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think, you know, we didn't mention influencers here on this podcast, but I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that the FTC is paying very close attention to the influencer community as well, Yeah, who in many cases should do a better job of explaining that they're getting endorsed. I think there was a famous yeah. Kim, Kim Kardashian or one of the Kardashians. I don't yeah. know. They're all like the same to me, Shannon, forgive me. Uh, but, you know, one of the Kardashians didn't state that they were a paid endorser. Yeah, for uh, cryptocurrency. Was it cryptocurrency? That's yeah. right. Thank you. And they, they put uh, hashtag ad in, in in the description and they're like, that's really not enough. Not enough. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with being a paid endorser of a product, but folks need to understand the difference between that and whether they really use the product or the tool or the service or whatever it is. And they, they're giving their honest feedback. And so, you know, if it's a big multi-million dollar influencer, you can probably be sure that everything they say is, is paid. But, um, you know, I think this is long overdue. There's a lot of cleanup. And I got to tell you, Shannon, it's disappointing, but Amazon's not going to do this on their own free will. You know, they're not going to do it out of the goodness of their heart. It's going to be these federal agencies that are pushing them hard, threatening to find them and to hold them legally accountable that's going to get it done. I hate to say it. Yeah. You know, you bring up a great point about influencers because even though an influencer obviously should and needs to state that they were paid for, uh, you know, to endorse a product, there is a huge benefit. And I actually see it as sort of the future of Amazon for launching a new product yep. is, is leveraging those types of influencers, even if they're paid um, or if they just love your product 
and driving their initial followers to your product listing on Amazon. And it's okay for them to ask their followers to say, hey, if you happen to buy this product on Amazon, please leave an honest review. That's that's okay. That's allowed as long as you're not asking, like I said, for only positive product reviews. But what you're doing there, Jason, is you are borrowing the social proof from the influencer and applying that to Amazon until Amazon builds up its own value of social proof through product reviews. And so I honestly believe that that's the future of product launches. Um, I've thought that for you know the last couple of years. And I think video in- influencers in particular, doing it right, right? Even if it's paid, but doing it right, doing it honestly is going to be the best way for brands to launch new products and, and be able yeah. to get ahead and not have to start cold because we both know driving ads to a cold, you know, product with zero reviews is is pretty much like a death trap. It's painful. Yeah. Yeah, it's painful to do that. Again, there's honest ways to get product reviews. Um, I, I know you'll probably mention this, but go to day2podcast.com, download our checklist. We've got links and resources and kind of all the things that you need to do to help launch in the correct way. But um, yeah, why don't you give us a, a quick episode wrap up? Sure. Uh, folks, in the final analysis, the best way to get legal, authentic reviews is to sell more great product and then ask for a review, an honest review. The stakes are getting higher and violating Amazon TOS or even worse, FTC rules is perilous and should not be done. Yes, it's frustrating when Amazon is inconsistent with its enforcement. Hashtag Amazon do better. But the FTC is pushing Amazon to do more and doing dumb, bad stuff with reviews is just not a good idea. Thanks for listening. If you're ready to start growing and protecting your brand on Amazon with a team of experienced Amazon operators, you can visit us at day2podcast.com. That's day, the number two podcast.com, where you can download the Amazon seller checklist with 1,550 million things that you must do to ensure <laughs> you succeed on Amazon, as well as book a discovery call with the famous Mr. Shannon Roddy, to learn more about our services and how we can help you grow the right way, not the illegal way. Lastly, if you know of anyone else who would gain value from this podcast, please share it with them to help them on their selling journey. Thank you for listening and happy selling.